are the Torah and the Bible the same thing? And so the Bible that we are referring to is what um, the Christians around us, we live in a Christian majority country, or even non-Christians who recognize um, the validity or at least importance of the Bible. I may have mentioned before, but um, many years ago, I once met a student who I asked him what he's studying in school, and he told me he's studying biblical criticism, which having studied the Torah itself um, and spent a lot of time on it, um, I was curious, and so I asked him if he believes in the divinity of the Bible, and he does not. And so I asked him, so why then would you study biblical criticism if you don't think there's anything special about the Bible? So his response to me was, it's the best book that was ever written. You know, I don't know if that is accurate or not. In other words, from a, if we take out the divinity of the Bible, if there would be, um, if we could truly call it the best book ever written, maybe. Um, it's not for me to decide, but um, there are definitely many people who study the Torah um, and study the Bible, um, even if for its advice, for its um, historical value, even without um, belief in its divinity. But our question is, is the Torah and the Bible that our non-Jewish neighbors have one and the same? Now, clearly, the Christian part of the Bible, um, what they like to call the New Testament, um, is clearly not part of Judaism in any way at all. Uh, we do not believe in its validity at all. Um, however, the question is, is what the Christians like to call the Old Testament, are the older, originally written in Hebrew parts of the Bible, the same as our Torah? So in order to answer that question, it is firstly important to understand what exactly is the Torah? So we addressed this question a couple weeks ago when we did a class on the oral Torah. But to briefly recap what we had said then, we believe that when Moses brought the people to Mount Sinai and all of our ancestors um, had a revelation where God spoke to our ancestors and they all heard the Aseret broke the Ten Commandments. After which Moses went to, we had enough. We speak about it in next week's parsha. We told Moses we don't want to hear anymore. We couldn't handle it. It was too overwhelming. And we asked Moses to get the rest for us. So Moses went up on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Um, and there he studied with God. And God taught him the Torah. Moses came down from the mountain after 40 days. And Moses brought us the Torah. What did he bring us? Well, he had two tablets that he ended up smashing, and then he got another set um, that had the Ten Commandments written on them. <laughs> and then Moses gathered the people and began to teach them. Teach them the teachings that God had taught him on Mount Sinai. Teachings that God continued to teach him throughout the 40 years that he led our ancestors. And Moses taught these teachings to the people. We don't know of him giving them any book other than those two tablets that had the Ten Commandments. We don't know of any other book that he handed to them. He taught them the information. They studied all this information. All this information was written, was communicated orally by Moses to the people, which they studied for 40 years. That would include the stories of the Torah, 
that would include the inspirational lessons of the Torah, that would include the laws of the Torah. And it was then at the end of the 40 years, uh, right before Moses' death, that God told Moses to write down the Torah. And Moses wrote down the Torah, and Moses gave a copy of the Torah to the Jewish people, to the tribe of Levi, who from whom, from his original Torah, um, other Torahs were then written, were then copied. We retained that original Torah, according to our tradition, until the days of King Yoshiao, King Josiah, some 800 years after Moses, or more than 800 years after Moses, we retained the original Torah, which continued to be used um, as a source to copy other Torahs from. So we had what we called the Torah scroll, um, Torahs, which includes five books, uh, the five books of Moses, as they're often called, um, all written in the Torah scroll, just under 80,000 words that had been written down by Moses, we believe dictated to Moses by God, and given to us so that every person, every group, every individual is able to copy. And Moses commanded us all to write our own Torahs. Before we had printing, you had to, of course, write it on your own. You had to write it yourself. So the teachings, though, that Moses taught us for 40 years was not word for word of what was later written down. The teachings that Moses taught us was information. What Moses wrote down was only 80,000 words, was we believe a cryptic document that only gives us the basics and cryptically alludes to almost all the details that Moses taught us over the 40 years. So the oral Torah was taught to us originally, at the end of Moses' life, in order that we should retain the Torah and we should not forget it, Moses gave us a written Torah that had the, the basic information with most of the details only alluded to cryptically. He then gave us keys to be able to decipher the code and be able to decipher the Torah. We call those the Shlosh Esri Midos, Midos, the 13 um, keys we use to um, decipher the Torah, a very complex system that we can use to try to figure out the laws alluded to within the Torah. Most of the Torah Judaism, though, as we know it today, is our oral Torah. For example, the Torah itself, the written Torah that is, tells us um, more than a dozen times to keep the Shabbat, not to do any work, any malacha on Shabbat. However, the Torah does not in any place describe or detail what that work entails. Nowhere are we told what that work entails. We know what that work entails because our oral tradition tells us that there are 39 avot malachot, 39 general categories of forbidden work that are forbidden on Shabbat. It doesn't say so in our written Torah. We only know it from our oral traditions. The, um, the laws of kosher, so the Torah does detail which animals are kosher, which ones are not. But the Torah says, you shall slaughter as I, slaughter as I commanded you. Um, but in the written Torah, it doesn't give us the details of how to slaughter. That is in our oral tradition. We have 
חמש הלכות שחיתות, five laws of, of, of ritual slaughter. The Torah also says that a mauled animal is not kosher. The details of how to define a mauled animal um, is not mentioned in the Torah. We know in our oral tradition, there's a complex set of rules as to define a mauled or sick animal that would render it not kosher. And so similarly, some, many of the kosher rules are not mentioned explicitly in the written Torah, but we know from our oral tradition. The very concept of marriage is not mentioned anywhere in the Torah explicitly. The Torah does explicitly speak about divorce, uh, but it does not explicitly mention marriage. The rules of marriage, again, would be from our oral tradition. The Torah mentions many dates um, of different festivals. However, the Torah doesn't tell us how the calendar should be structured. How long should a year be? How long should a month be? When should, be, when should you declare a new month? When should it be a new year? Um, those rules, again, are not given to us in the written Torah, but are part of our oral tradition. And the list continues. Most of what we recognize today as Judaism is not explicitly mentioned in the written Torah, but is only alluded to in the written Torah, but is, and is explained in the oral tradition. So Judaism as we know it <laughs> is not what it says in the written Torah, but Judaism as we know it is the oral Torah that we believe is mostly alluded to and can be deciphered and figured out from the written word, but not explicitly mentioned in the written word. The written word is simply a cryptic document that cryptically, um, that cryptically recalls or um, documents our oral traditions. Now, to take it a step further, the written Torah itself doesn't make sense on its own and cannot be read on its own. For one, our written Torah scrolls do not have any vowels of punctuation. Without vowels of punctuation, there are many different ways that the Torah can be read. For example, if you take the very, very first verse in the Torah, Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim v'et in the beginning, of God's creation of the heaven and the earth. Now, that verse can be read differently. It can be read instead of et hashamayim v'et haaretz, the heaven and the earth. It can be read ot hashamayim v'ot haaretz. The Hebrew word et, has, if you change the vowels, can be read ot, sign in the beginning of God's creation of the sign of the heavens and the sign of the earth, which would imply that God himself did not create. Not only without vowels is it hard to read, that very first verse is hard to read. That very first verse is often translated, Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning God created. That's how it's translated in the Christian Bible. It's a mistranslation. That it would not be an accurate way to translate um, the verse because the Hebrew word bereshit means in the beginning of. So it couldn't be in the beginning of God created. It would have to be in the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth. And so it is often mistranslated. And it's very easy to mistranslate the Torah. Um, there are a lot of parts in the Torah where there are different ways one can possibly translate it. 
The only way we know the true meaning of the Torah is based on our oral traditions. Furthermore, there are certain parts of the Torah that if you take them at face value, they would translate very differently than what our oral tradition tells us. The classic example is where the Torah tells us, ayin tachat ayin, shein tachat shein. A eye in place of an eye, a tooth in place of a tooth, which at face value can be explained to me that one should cut out an eye when someone else, when someone damages someone else's eye. Someone should knock out a tooth when one damages somebody else's tooth. We know our oral tradition tells us that is not the meaning. Rather, it means the value of an eye shall be paid for somebody who destroyed somebody else's eye. The value of a tooth shall be paid for someone who destroyed someone else's tooth. And there are many, many other examples um, in the Torah where red face value would translate very, very different than the way our tradition translates it, the way our oral tradition translates it. Furthermore, there are certain parts in the Torah that are virtually impossible to translate. There are certain verses that appear to be written very cryptically. Some verses are very easy to read and one can easily translate. Some verses, um, as we mentioned, the first verse of the Torah, Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning of created God, uh, created God, is hard to translate, extremely difficult to translate. And so without the oral tradition, these things would not be understood. So we Jews throughout our history never read the Torah at face, the written Torah at face value. Rather, when we say the Torah, we mean the oral teachings. Judaism is the Torah, the oral teachings that are recorded cryptically in the written Torah. But the teachings of Judaism are our oral Torah. The written Torah is very holy. It's the word of God, and we treat it as such. But the written Torah is God's, is, the written Torah is only a cryptic document recording, uh, cryptically recording those oral teachings. So now other nations, notably Christians, have gotten hold of translations of our written Torah. But those translations that they have gotten hold of, all they have is the written Torah. They do not have the oral teachings. In fact, the Midrash tells us, asks, why did God choose to give the Torah to us orally and not write everything down? Why did not God not write down all the information? And there are many answers given to this question. When we did the class a few weeks ago about the oral Torah, we discussed, we gave a number, offered a number of answers. But the Midrash says the reason is God, the Torah was meant to be given exclusively to our people as the covenant between God and his people. And God did not want anyone else to get hold of our, our Torah. And so, yes, they can get hold of the written Torah, but they have no access to the oral one. Or at least a lot more difficult access to the oral one. The written one is hard to get. It's easy to get the book. It's easy to take the book. But they did not have the same access to the oral one. So yes, they have taken our written Torah, but without the written, the oral Torah, the written Torah is of little value. 
you don't fully understand what it says. You don't fully understand its true meaning. Um, let alone, most of Judaism is not found at all clearly in the written Torah. You need the oral Torah to know what our Torah actually says. Rabbi, isn't, yeah. the, isn't the Talmud um, like the, the oral tradition? Yes, the oral Torah has been written down in the years since. Um, the Talmud is the most comprehensive book of the oral Torah, although it's not entirely comprehensive. There are many other books um, of the oral Torah is written down. Um, it is available now to the nations of the world. There's no question anybody can access the oral Torah today, um, but they did not. And it has not been incorporated into other religions in the same way that our written Torah is. Okay. Thank you. So to answer our question, is or are the Torah and the Bible the same thing? Um, the Torah, when we say Torah, includes the oral Torah and the written Torah, and even when we speak of the written Torah, is the written Torah as understood in light or with the understandings of the oral Torah. So that is not found clearly in the Bible at all. Furthermore, the written Torah, as non-Jews have it, is not the original, but rather a translation. Bart, did you have a question before I go further? Just had a question. I'm sorry about I'm on my sailboat coming back from Catalina, but had a question of how can you be sure that the oral Torah is correct? After people usually make mistakes uh, in uh, conveying oral messages. That's an excellent question. We addressed that uh, in our earlier class about the oral Torah. Because it's such an important question, I'm going to try to address it really, really briefly. People do make mistakes in conveying oral messages. We put many, many safeguards in place to ensure that we do not make such mistakes. And once we were afraid those safeguards were falling apart due to um, exile, we in fact did write it down. But I would point out that written word also creates many mistakes because you rarely retain um, the original written word, rather you copy from one to the next. And prior to printing, where every book was copied, books by definition would have mistakes. We were very careful with our Torah scroll that there should be no mistakes. But the more you would write down, definitely the more mistakes you have. And indeed, our oral Torah is written down. The Talmud, um, there are many, many places where there are questions about what the accurate version of the Talmud is. So um, yes, we would re have that problem with a um, written word as well. And um, I think the most important point we can make regarding this is that if we believe that God controls history and God wants us to retain his Torah, um, we believe by extension that we retain the Torah as accurately as God wants us to. So the Torah, so the getting back to the question, so is our written Torah at least the same as the Bible? So firstly, um, when it comes to translations, uh, what Christians have today are translations of the Torah. Now, the Torah we know was originally actually translated by Jews. Our tradition tells us that in the days of the Ptolemy kings, when they ruled over Israel, which we're talking about some 300 BC, uh, or 2300 years ago, um, one of the Ptolemies 
these were Egyptian Greek kings, wanted the Torah to be translated into Greek. And so he brought 72 sages to Egypt, put each one separately in a room, and made each one translate the Torah, and then was going to have his own scholars compare the translations in order to ensure that the translations um, are all accurate, compare them to each other, so nobody should think of um, corrupting the translation. The Talmud tells us that the sages all made 10 changes, each on their own, um, and they all miraculously came up with the same 10 changes. Um, the, notably, the very first verse they changed, the very first verse, as we said, translates Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning of created God. Um, and that means in the beginning of God's creating. In Hebrew, we put the verb before the, um, before the identity of the one doing the verb. And so, um, like we say, said God, not God said. And so, but in Greek and most other languages, we do not. And so they switched that around. And they wrote Elohim, bara bereshit, God created in the beginning, in order that they should not think that in the beginning is the name of an idol that created God. And so that was just one example of a change that they made. Um, and so that way they translated the Torah. They would have translated the Torah according to our Jewish traditions. Um, we still have remnants of that um, original translation that is known in Greek as the Septuagint, sept meaning 70, um, after 70 scholars who translated it. Um, the Septuagint, as we have it today, does not have those 10 corrections that our sages made to it. Um, and that is likely over time it was edited and it was changed. It does, though, have many, many other mistakes, what we would consider mistakes in translating the Torah. Um, so there are a number of mistakes. Um, the Torah has, was, after that, translated into Greeks by other Jewish Hellenists, in other words, Greek speaking and culturally Greek Jews, as well as by other non-Jews. It was then translated into Latin, um, and both from the original Hebrew as well as from the Greek. Over the years, those Greek and Latin translations um, developed many, many mistranslations, many places where um, the translation doesn't translate in the way that we Jews understand the meaning of the Torah. Um, many places where it clearly doesn't even translate the original Hebrew accurately. So there, and there are many, many such places um, where the, we would consider the Christian Bible translation to be inaccurate. Now, Christians in recent times have made efforts to retranslate. Um, many, many different translations, um, but by and large, they ignore um, many of our traditions. Um, and our understanding as to how those translations should be. So the translation of the Bible would not serve as a accurate translation of our Torah. And if you do have a Christian Bible, and I do not suggest you to get one, but if you do and you compare that to a Jewish translation of the Torah, you will see the two are not even close. They are, oh, there will be, of course, a lot of similarity because they're translating the same book, but um, there will be very, very much variation between the two. Now, I should point out that even a fully accurate translation 
is never 100% accurate. If you take different Jewish translations of the Torah, you will notice that there are many, many differences between the two. Now, some of those variations in translation may have to do with variations in commentary that we ourselves have. In other words, there may be variations as to the meaning of specific words in the written Torah within our own Jewish tradition and with our own Jewish commentaries. But also, no tr language can truly translate accurately into another language. And that is because phraseology, the way phrases are structured, sentence structure, is not the same in different languages, particularly languages such as English, which is Germanic or, uh, and Latin in its source, and Hebrew, which is a Semitic language, totally different style of languages with totally, totally different grammar and um, sentence structures. Um, it is also true, um, many words have um, complex meaning. In other words, we have many different word synonyms for the same, to express the same thing, but generally each synonym has a slightly different meaning. No two synonyms usually have mean the exact same. Um, there's usually a slight variation in how you would accurately use the word. And so, and Hebrew does as well have many words that have synonyms. Um, not always is there a good translation. Um, in fact, in Hebrew, um, almost any noun can become a verb, something that doesn't work very well in English. Um, and so many of the verbs in Hebrew, um, there's simply no verb for them in English. So um, because of the differences between the languages, it is almost impossible to accurately translate from one language to another, from Hebrew um, to English. One translator told me not about translating the Torah, but about translating other books, that translating is not a science, but it's an art. Because um, one does not say this word means this and this word means that. Rather, you need to look at an entire paragraph or really an entire book and see its meaning and then try to capture that meaning within the translation. Again, it's an art and therefore there's no perfect way to do it. There is no perfect way to translate. This is particularly true for the Torah when we said many of its words are cryptic. Many of its words have deeper meaning. Many of its words have um, a deeper subtle meaning that cannot truly be translated cannot be translated accurately into another language, those deeper meanings, those deeper subtle meanings would not accurately translate. So is the translation of the, uh, the Christian translations of our Torah um, the same as our own Torah? Clearly not. And for that reason, because of the challenge in translation, that is why although Jews have not spoken Hebrew as a spoken language um, until modern Israel for some 2,500 years. Jews generally spoke other languages. We continued to study the Torah in Hebrew. And Hebrew always remained the main language of Torah. And we always retained the original Hebrew Torah, knowing that translations can never do it adequate justice. That studying in tr with a translation is always a handicap. And therefore, still till today, we teach children Hebrew. We teach children and we teach adults to study Hebrew, to be able to fully read, read and understand Hebrew in order to be able to study our Torah. Because otherwise, one who attempts to study Torah with translation um, faces a huge handicap. Now, that doesn't mean that someone who does not know Hebrew or somebody who has 
um, perhaps is at a stage in life where they are no longer able to learn a new language um, should avoid studying Torah. Every Jew is required to study Torah, and we can study Torah in another language, even if there is a certain level handicap not being able to study in the original Hebrew. So our translation, or our original Torah, is not the same as any translation, definitely not the same as the Christian translations that have many, many differences from the way we understand the Torah. You, yes, talk, you talked about um, the original Torah being written and that there were mistakes made as it was written before we ever got to a printing process where it could be maintained the same all the way along. Do we know that what we are maintaining is what was originally given to us as the Torah, or do we just accept that there may be mistakes? My point about mistakes being made um, is regarding book writing in general. Um, if you take manuscripts, no two manuscripts will be alike. Um, in fact, almost all Torah scrolls that are written um, have to go through two edits before they're ever used. And then as we read them, we make sure they have no mistakes as well. Most Torah scrolls that are written by expert scribes usually have mistakes. And when we edit them, we usually find mistakes. And that's because um, it is virtually impossible for humans, even the most careful, to do something um, that large without making mistakes. However, to be very clear, our, we believe our Torah scroll has remained extremely, extremely accurate. Um, and um, we believe that um, because of the great care we took in translating, in copying Torahs, and because of the extensive editing we did to every Torah scroll that was written, we do believe that, and the great care that we took, we do believe that we managed to retain the Torah as is. Um, there is, in our traditions among various Jewish communities, um, there is one letter in the Torah, um, in Parashat Kitetze, toward the end of the Torah, in which there is a variation from Torah scroll to Torah scroll. Um, some, most Torah scrolls have an Aleph, but some have a hate. Um, so there is one letter where variation has crept up, but out of 300,000, over 300,000 letters, that's a pretty good achievement um, over 3,000 years. Um, and so we do believe we have kept a fairly accurate ability to, uh, we have kept our Torah very, very accurate. Um, the type of editing that you talk about was done in ancient times all the way through. Always. The law is that a Torah scroll with a mistake is not allowed to be used. It must be fixed or buried. We're not allowed, we never read from a Torah scroll with a mistake. If you read from a Torah scroll on Shabbat and you find a mistake in the Torah, or even a letter that was erased, um, or got um, smudged or um, is no longer says what it was supposed to say, um, you must immediately stop reading. You're not allowed to read from a Torah scroll with a mistake. Um, and um, before a Torah scroll is used for the first time, it must go through two edits. Um, and so by editors. So yes, we were very, very, very careful um, to ensure the accuracy of our, of our written Torah. So if you find a mistake, can you simply replace that portion of Parsha or, or parchment? Or do yes. you have to 
Yes, yes. The Torah scrolls are written with ink and parchment that can be erased and corrected when necessary. So yes, we definitely can correct and we do correct the Torah scroll when we find mistakes because, um, as I said, almost every time a scribe writes a Torah, there will be a mistake. Thank you. Um, because just that's human nature. Um, we will find those mistakes. And we do. We do find those mistakes. So because of that, we have been able to keep the Torah accurate. We do believe our Torah today is extremely accurate. Even though, as I mentioned, there is a variation in one letter. Um, Rabbi, yes, earlier on you said that when Moses uh, uh, wrote the, the Torah, he wrote it cryptically. Um, but then he also gave, um, has the keys to decipher the cryptology, right? Yes. Is, okay, so do we have those keys? Yes, in fact, we recite them every morning in our prayers. You can what, find them in the prayer book. Recite the keys? Yes, so that we never forget them. So the keys are, it's, it's like the um, translation of the cryptic? No, the keys are complex systems that we use to read the words and decipher what each word says. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it sounds it's, like... They're very complicated. I once did a class in them and um, my, the participants in the class gave up because it was very difficult. Um, it's very difficult, but we do read it in order to read it. So you read the keys? We do, yes. They're really not prayers, though. They're just... No. Oh, oh I see. Okay. But it's printed in our prayer book. Okay. Uh, Rabbi, I'm sorry. I have to leave now. Okay. Okay. We so, have so we now know that our Torah the, um, is the oral Torah, and even the written Torah is understood by the oral Torah. It's not the same as the translations, um, and um, because the original Hebrew can never be truly translated, the um, Christian translations are not entirely accurate according to our understanding. But it's, there's also one more important point to make about whether the Torah is the same as the Bible, at least the parts of the Bible that were originally in Hebrew. And that is that when we speak of the Torah, the written Torah, we speak of the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Bereshit, Shemot, Vayikra, Bamidbar, Devarim. Those are the books of the Torah. That is what we put in the Torah scroll. Now, there are another 19 books that we consider holy. We consider divinely inspired. Together with the Torah, make up the Tanakh. We did a class about a year ago about the, we went through the details of the Tanakh, um, which include these other 19 holy books. So we do have other holy books as well. Those holy books are often included in what Christians call the Hebrew Bible, or the parts of the Bible that were originally in Hebrew. Now, in fact, there are other books that are included in the Christian Bible that were originally in Hebrew that we don't believe are divinely inspired and were not included in Tanakh. That our sages, when they set the Tanakh, the men of the Great Assembly um, set the Tanakh about 2,300 years ago, they excluded certain books. They ex excluded the book of Ben Sira. 
They excluded numerous other books, some of which have been included in the Christian Bible, but were excluded from the Tanakh. We do not believe they were divinely inspired at all. Even those 19 books, though, that we do include in the Tanakh, while we believe them to be holy, we do not believe them to be Torah. The Torah only includes the five books of Moses. And that's because the Hebrew word Torah means instructions. Only God gave us instructions or commandments only through Moses. After the death of Moses, we did not get any more commandments. In fact, God committed that after the death of Moses, this Torah will never change. Our commandments, while our commandments are applied and the Sanhedrin Supreme Council had the right to create rules, um, but and we were able to apply rules to new cases, God did not adjust or create any new commandments following the death of Moses. And in fact, while the Torah itself, at least the four books, not including Genesis, which is mostly, which is all history, but the four books from starting from Exodus include 613 commandments, hundreds and hundreds of commandments. Each book includes many, many, many commandments. When you move to the other 19 books of our holy scriptures, you will see there is not a single commandment. Nowhere does it say that God instructed any prophet with a commandment for us. Now, there were one-time instructions that the people right now should do this or right now should do that, should attack certain nations, should, go, should do certain things, build the temple or certain specific things at the time. But commandments that apply to our people forever, for all times, were only given to Moses. So Torah, from the Hebrew word hora'ah, instructions, or moreh, teacher, the Torah as instructions, as teachings, is only the five books given to Moses. So is the Hebrew Bible even the same books as the Torah? No, because the Hebrew Bible includes many books that are not Torah. Torah is only the five books of Moses. So to answer our, our original question, are the Torah and the Bible the same thing? Firstly, when we say Torah, we refer to the oral teachings as taught to us by Moses. And clearly, that is not found in the Bible. Even the written Torah, we understand the written Torah as understood through the lens of the oral Torah. Our written Torah is the original Hebrew, not translations that have been that are never accurate, especially those that have been corrupted um, and are beyond our and do not include our understanding of the meaning of the Torah. And the Torah, we say Torah, even the written part, only includes the five books of Moses does not include the other holy scriptures, though we do believe there are 19 other books. So we could say that five books of the Bible are based on the Torah, on the written Torah, on our five books of Moses. Another 19 books of the Bible are based on books of our holy scripture. Um, but it would be inaccurate to say that the Torah and the Bible are the same thing 
at all. You know, there are people who call it the, Jew, the Torah, the Jewish Bible. Bible is Greek for book. That might be a fair thing to say, uh, but we probably should better use the term Torah when referring to the source of our teachings. Uh, refer, use the word Torah, which can include both the written Torah, the Torah scroll, the five books of Moses in its original Hebrew, as well as the oral teachings, which are the source of all of our traditions. So next week, we will talk about the prayer of the Shema, or the um, reading of the Shema, which is the most important prayer in our history, uh, in our um, prayers, and um, it's going to be in next week's reading, and so we will talk about the Shema in ver and its meaning in great detail. I invite you to join us next week.